Hello and welcome to another episode of the Team Guru Podcast. I'm your host, David Frizzell, and in this episode, we're talking about the hottest issue of our time, chat, GPT, and the coming of AI to the real world. My guest is a return visitor to the Team Guru Podcast, Donna McGeorge. She joined us way back in episode 99 to chat about her book, The 25-Minute Meeting, and she's back here to tell us all about her new book, The Chat GPT Revolution, How to Simplify Your Work and Life Admin with AI. There's no bigger topic for us right now. We've known for so long that AI is coming. It's coming to disrupt us. And it has, of course, in so many subtle and not so subtle ways. But is this Chat GPT the big one? The moment AI has penetrated our everyday life to change humanity forever. Donna says her book, The Chat GPT Revolution, is a how to guide for anyone who wants to get up to speed on this new technology and to use it to reclaim time for what matters most. And as always on the Team Guru podcast, she's here to tell us all about it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Donna McGeorge. Donna McGeorge, welcome back to the Team Guru podcast. Thank you so much for having me, David. Pleasure to be here. Uh, You know what, Donna? We are just over 200 episodes in the Team Guru podcast. You and I spoke on episode 99 way back, and we talked about the 25-minute meeting, which I have to say is one of those concepts through all of my podcasting that has stuck to me like glue. Do you know, you're not the only one that said that. Sometimes when you write a book, you wonder what the shelf life of an idea or a book is going to be. And that one has just, that's just an idea that's just kept on giving it. Still as popular as it was when it first came out. Hey, this one I'm really looking forward to. When your book turned up at my house a little while ago, I knew that I was going to get excited about this conversation. Chat GPT. I love the title and the description of your book. It's the Chat GPT Revolution, How to Simplify Your Work and Life Admin with AI. And this is the bit I love. This book is a manifesto for rethinking how you approach work and life admin. Look, this whole Chat GPT thing, it feels like it is the true embodiment of the AI that we've been expecting. We have been long thinking and talking about when this AI revolution is going to come and change our lives. And you make the point really well early in your most recent book, how comfortable we've grown with AI and how much we've come to depend on it. You remind me in your book that it's actually only since 2010 that we commoners have had access to GPS, but look how much a part of our life it is. I mean, I never look up where I'm going anymore. I just jump in my car, plug it in and and away I go. Uh, We're used to it in social media, giving us suggestions of friends, people we might know, people we might like to follow on whatever social media we're, we're using. We're used to online retailers using it. We're used to being advertised to on Facebook for things that we looked up on Google yesterday. We're used to talking to Siri and Alexa. We're getting more comfortable with self-driving features on cars. I am a recent Tesla owner and and love it, and I, I love what it will become. But this chat GPT thing, it feels like it's another level. It feels like it's going to transcend, or at least in potential, all the previous uses that we've grown so familiar with. 
It feels like, and I wrote this down, the first bold showing of truly transformational AI in our lives. What do you think to all that? Oh, right. Gee, you've just said a mouthful there. So first of all, what I love is, yes, we've been exposed to this kind of technology for quite a while now, and robots haven't taken over the world. Mm. You know, there haven't been wholesale job losses the way, you know, there's been a lot of fear-mongering around it. But why I think, I, I mean, I think it's here to stay for a, a number of reasons and why it's so, it, why it is the revolution, is it's so easy to use. The uptake has been really high, so lots of people are interested in it. And my 79-year-old dad is totally into it. So there's lots of reasons why I think it's here to stay. But where I get very excited is we've been promised increased leisure time through technology mm. for hundreds of years, Right. And I think with the perfect storm of working changes at the moment, you know, coming out of COVID, the four-day work weeks, working remotely, and now AI coming in, and I just think this could be the time where we actually start to see, you know what, if I'm thinking how do I do a four-day work week, I'm like you've got to get on to chat GPT because it will absolutely save you at least 30 to 40% um, time you know, in a week. So, yeah, I think it is. It's a really exciting, an exciting time to be alive, as they say. <laughs> you taught me another word in your book, and I'm going to have a crack at pronouncing it and embarrass myself, the German word, Verklimbesserung. <laughs> I love it because what it means is an unintended improvement that actually makes things worse. And we can think of so many technologies in our lives that have done that. The number one is probably email. I mean, I mean, think back the old days. We've talked about this before. We've talked about it on this podcast before, having to write a letter and put it in the post and all the thought that comes into that. And you and I just fling emails out like it's confetti at a parade. It has made our life much easier in a lot of ways, of course, but in most ways, it's made us a slave to our devices, to our place of work, to all the community and sports uh, clubs that we're part of. It just comes flooding in because communication is cheap. And that German term that I terribly mispronounced best encapsulates that, or the unintended improvement, that the intended improvement that actually makes things worse. But it does feel, this chat GPT does actually feel different. Why does it feel different to all of the others? Well, so first of all, I want to compliment you for having a crack at pronouncing Thank that you. word. You, you I, go. Go no, on. I go didn't. On. No, I just very carefully copied and pasted it. Can from you an imagine how badly I did it? Right. <laughs> And so now, having said that, because I distracted myself, just have to repeat the question for me, David, because I just Why seriously- Why does this one feel different? Right. Um, because it actually, it's so tangible how fast it is. It's so tangible. Like I, I write a lot of articles and I am worried about plagiarism. Like if I use it, I'm worried about plagiarism. I'm worried about boringism, if you will, or it's sounding like a computer. But it, I now have the capability of saving- my, I've got 11 books out there, so I can save every one of my 11 books into PDFs and then I can say to ChatGPT, here's the article I've been asked to write using only content that I've written in my 11 books. Can you generate me a 700-word article that's good enough for Fast Company Magazine or Harvard and it will do that for me? So now I have to have a lot to worry about plagiarism. It's going to be written in my tone and that would take to get what I call a rubbish first draft 30 seconds. Wow. That's amazing. How long would that take you in the old world? In the olden days. Um, like when last I was year. Quite- <laughs> Before yes. November last year. Correct. 
look, I would say probably three hours, yeah. maybe, to yeah, write. Like, now, let me say, and probably an hour and a half to a rubbish first draft. Yeah. And then maybe another hour to an hour and a half for editing and going back and forth, maybe with my PR person or whoever's publishing the article. So it's completely shifted that. But also for me, it's like I permanently now have someone next to me where I can go, what do you reckon about this? Yeah. And so in the past, I'd either have to call someone or have someone sitting next to me or hassle my husband or whatever. And now, so it's shortcutting in my brain all, all the mental energy that I might have used up agonizing over trying to think of a birthday present for my 55-year-old sister-in-law who likes 1980s country and Western music. And, you know, aside from the obvious, getting a, you know, music, give me 10 other ideas that cost me less than 100 bucks. Now, it might have taken me ages to think of that, Prezi. I can get a really solid list in about 10 seconds. I bet your use has evolved as you've become more familiar with it over the last eight or nine months. And we'll talk about that soon. And the, and the guts of our conversation <laughs> will be how to use it wisely and some of the tips that you've worked out on using it for those of us who are novices. But back to the the intended improvements that actually make things worse and the email idea. Yeah. And how is this going to be different? You just You just described yeah, yeah. very nicely how this is going to be different. I'm wondering if part of it is that it can be our own personal little secret. When I got email, it wasn't a secret. My The first workplace that I worked for who gave me that email address knew I had it. And then over time, the expectation that I was checking and responding became very clear and, and it's evolved enormously to the point that today we're expected, whether spoken or unspoken, to be accessible almost all of the time. Yeah. Whereas chat GPT is almost like this dirty little secret we can all have to ourselves. That we can use it to be more effective and efficient, but I don't have to tell you or my boss. I can just be sitting at my desk doing it, making myself more, you know, more effective, um, but no one else really knows. Is that one of the reasons that this one's different? Look, it could be. And I think the only running on the label with all of that is, yes, if I'm using it to help me craft emails and stuff like that, and it is my dirty little, I'm not even calling that, I call it my eager intern who sits next to me, right? Really eager to help, really helps me out. So not even, I, I understand what you mean by dirty little secret, but yes. So I've got someone who's helping and supporting me. I don't have to tell anyone that I'm using it. The only thing I'd say is any of your listeners who have, who have, who have started to see articles come up, say on LinkedIn as an example, I'm starting to see very obvious copy and paste articles, no editing really? done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the moment I see it, I go, gosh, they, they didn't even edit it. So it does require, like imagine your eager intern has a bit of a hangover. You've got to edit their work right before you put it out into the world. But I've been really umming and ahhing about whether I think this is going to be another rabbit hole we end up going down that ends up consuming time, back to that German word. Mm. And it has not happened for me, and I've been using it pretty consistently now for, say, seven to eight months. And I would say, did you ever go down a Google rabbit hole? Because for me, it has the same kind of energy. It's a tool I use when I need it, but I don't get stuck in it. Whereas email is also a tool I use when I need it, but I, gee, I can get stuck in it if I'm not careful and I'm not managing, you know, my inbox well or whatever. So, so far I haven't had the experience of it. It's not like, um, there's a, it's not like going down a YouTube rabbit hole, for example, where you mm. start watching a video, then you watch another and another and another. Right. My experience so far is it doesn't feel like that. 
Heather, was it better or different to Google for the uninitiated? It's completely different. Mm. Like, it's a, it like in fact, that's the biggest mistake people make is they go, oh, it's just like Google, and they put a Google-type search into it, and they get a fairly rich response, and they go, oh, I don't even know why I'd bother, and they throw their hands in the air and they say, that's it. So where it's different is it will do a lot of your work for you. So if I go to Google and say, hey, what's a great recipe for, I don't know, banana bread, gluten-free banana bread, and it will generate about a million hits <laughs> of anyone in the world who's ever put some kind of link about banana bread in. Yeah. Whereas ChatGPT, and the first one might be a good recipe, but ChatGPT will give me the best possible recipe under the parameters that I've given and generate a shopping list for me as well if I need it. So that's probably not the best example, but it's like I can't ask Google to write me a 700-word article. I can ask – now, I call it Charlie because ChatGPT is a bit of a mouthful. It is a mouthful. I can ask Charlie to write me a 700-word article or generate me 10 ideas for blog posts for women in leadership who want to step up. Google can't do that. All right. Now, thinking about those famous change adoption curves – those curves that have the innovators right at the front, the two and a half percent that you know that buy it before anyone else has heard of it. There's the early adopters, and then there's the big bulge, the majority. There's the early majority, late majority, and then at yeah. the end, there's the laggards, the people uh-huh. who you know who are just buying iPhones now, kind of thing. <laughs> if we were to dive into Charlie or Chat GPT today, where are we on that curve? I reckon where that's interesting. So. They got a million users within five days mm. of being released. So they're the really super, super early adopters. And then within three months, it got up to 100 million. And it's kind of settling there at the moment. Having said that, I think it's still the early, early adopters versus the late, early adopters. I don't think the late, early adopters have fully really? got on board yet. Wow. So we're still at uh, early adopter phase. Absolutely. Oh, that uh, And the reason I know that is I was at a conference, I was speaking at a conference recently and I had, I don't know, 160 people in the room. In fact, done several, now I'm just mixing up my conferences in my head. I've done several lately. And I would say when I say who's had a play with it, I'm getting maybe 20 to 30% of people putting their hand up. Yeah, right. Okay. So, That's interesting. Yeah. So it's still when I say to someone, hey, I've written this book, I still got people going, what even is that? Wow. So, okay. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm ahead of where I thought I was then. <laughs> and hey, just for some context, because I found this really interesting in your book as well, the, the duration to 1 million users, just to compare that. So it took chat GPT, I think it was November of 2022. So November of last year, it took five days to get to 1 million, as Donna just said. To compare that with Netflix, three and a half years for Netflix. Compare that to Airbnb, two and a half years. Twitter, two years. Facebook, 10 months. Dropbox, seven months. Instagram, five months. And you can see where the trend is going. So that speaks not only to our comfort with being online and how that's increased since 1999 in the Netflix example, but it also speaks to the depths of, of usage for chat GPT, I guess. Hey, uh, I'm a couple of questions away, listeners, from asking Donna to really get to the nuts and bolts of where it can help us. What can it actually do for us in our lives and how can we prompt it most effectively? So we'll get there really soon, but I have a few questions before we do. Hey, I like that you gave it a nickname, Charlie. And that leads me to wonder, is this chat GPT, is it like Coca-Cola and we're going to have a whole bunch of other brands of cola will come and try and sell us their wares? We'll have Pepsi soon and 
etc., etc.? Or is it is that not the right comparison? Are we always going to be speaking about chat GPT or will there be a million of them on the market and we're going to have to make some sort of wise choice? I don't know about a million on the market, but there already is alternatives. Right. And um, do they use and the same software? Some. So some they use the same engine with a different face. Yeah. So ChatGPT or OpenAI, which is the back end, and, and GPT 3.5 and GPT 4 are the versions that are out there. And some new new players in the market are using that. So Microsoft, I want to say... What does Microsoft call theirs? I can't think of what waste time. But so Microsoft, for example, uses ChatGPT as its back end. Right. So this is um, the same thing. It is. But there are others that aren't. So there's mm. uh, there's a new one called Claude out there that a few people have been talking to me about. Right. And it's different and people are saying it's so much better mm. than ChatGPT. But look, I think ChatGPT, I don't know whether you're hearing this first here, it might become the esky of uh, portable, you know, picnic chilling things, right? right? So we might refer to ChatGPT when actually we're referring uh, to large language like a, models across like a, a range of different brands. Like, like the English say Hoover when they mean they're going to vacuum their floor. Vacuum. Right. And we still and talk about, what's that white out stuff? Um, liquid paper. Liquid paper. But that's actually yeah. a brand. I, I get it. Yeah. 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 And look, I just, yeah, I just think that's what's, that's what's going to be the primary thing is that everyone just refers to it that way. And it is a little bit like Coke, right? I say Coke, but I actually just mean a dark-coloured, fizzy, sugary, fizzy drink in yeah. some context as well. Getcha. So, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, one question away from the big one, folks, but here's another question to get us there. Donna, what is stopping people from taking the plunge? You you kindly suggested if we were to start today, we'd still be in the early adopters part of the curve. Yeah. You go to, to conferences with active professional people and only a small percentage of them have tried it. What are the barriers for people at the moment, do you think? Look, it's the usual fear, you know, the fear of do I know how to use it? What is it for? What kind of possible applications could I have? Can I break it? So there's there's a the massive wave of just your average user. So the people that you'd say would use Google nearly every day, that kind of big wave is yet to come because they just haven't figured it out yet. They just don't know what its capability, I would yeah. think. So yeah, there's yeah, a little yeah. bit of ignorance there. I'm, I'm yeah. guessing, though, if you were to pick away at different non-users, there'd be some who have anxieties about it. Are there any anxieties that are floating around? There's lots of anxiety about AI generally, that the robots are going to take over the world and there's this dystopian future that looks something like a Terminator movie. Mm. So there's a lot of that. Until they realise it's been around for a while, which you alluded to at the beginning of our conversation today. Look, that I think it's ignorance. I don't know how to use it and I don't know what it's good for. And I might have read something. So, I mean, I was asked to do a spot on telly with a very major popular, you know, TV show. Come on, give and, us a name drop. You don't uh, have to be cool. I was asked to be on the project. Oh, great. And they came and interviewed me and they did a, you know, really solid interview for about 30 minutes, you know, and, and I was answering kind of the way I'm answering you now. And when, when it went to air... It was an absolute hatchet job on AI, oh, no. and I had about three seconds of space where I said, I think it's going to create more jobs and it will lose. Yeah. And that was the only positive thing they did in this whole like 20-minute piece on AI. So, you know, they've been fed a fair bit of negativity about it as well. 
I'm going to do that as well, by the way, Donna. I'm just going to pluck out individual words that you've said through this and piece together my own story about something totally different. I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, I'll go with that. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought that you've seen the dark side of being on mainstream television, hey? Who knew? Whether it's a half-day energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organization. All right, let's get to the big one. Tell us then, and your book neatly separates this into work, home, and beyond the basics. Tell us where the best practical application for Chat GPT, better known as Charlie. Uh, for us in our lives right now. Let's start with work because that's where we're we're all thinking about when we come to podcasts like this. Usually you're someone who who likes to pare back unnecessary effort at work so that people can free up other parts of their lives. So let's start there. What sort of purposes do you see chat GPT being used for in work? All right, so straight up, it depends on the size of your jo- your job and then the business that you're in. I'm a I'm a one person operator in my little practice, and I now have an HR admin person sitting right next to me. Should I need it? Do I need a job spec written? I've just put a, a social media manager on, and ChatGPT helped me write the job spec. Uh, sorry, the ad, the job description, and the specifications, a brief to a, an agency, and a bunch of questions that I should ask them. Now, I have have had re- to recruit people in the past. That's a day's worth of work for me in the past, and this was pretty pretty good fairly quickly. I've been writing tenders and I've been using ChatGPT to, so as, a, as a kind of a ghostwriter slash copywriter person for me to help me. So, you know, it'll ask some very convoluted question and I copy and I don't really understand this question, copy and paste it straight into Charlie. Charlie gets it every single time. It's utterly shameless when it comes to writing bios. So if I'm wanting a a bio written, say, David, you're wanting to promote the podcast into a new market potentially, and you're like, I don't quite know how to speak to that market, you can say, here's a bit of my background, here's the new market, write me, you know, some promotional social media stuff, and it will be shameless in its promotion of you, like the stuff we'd probably cringe a little bit so you'd want to air it back. You know, I use it for helping me craft emails just about every day. So I've got to reply to someone that requires a little bit of a thoughtful response. So I want to be assertive in my response, but I don't want to be, you know, aggressive. Can you help me craft an email that maintains a relationship, is assertive on the points that I want to make, but gives, you know, still has a bit of an empathetic feel to it? Boom. It'll be able to do something like that. So mostly it's going to be around your written comms. Where in where in the world do you have to write stuff or read and summarize stuff like here's a big document I have to summarize so or I have to read copy and paste it into Charlie you know give me the top 10 points so they're kind of aspects of work I think it's really gonna shift that aspect our written comms and how reliable is chat GPT at the moment when it comes to exactly that say summarizing a large document lots of people listening to this will have jobs where they're asked to read a large amount take it in and be be knowledgeable at, a, at an upcoming meeting. If I was yep. to whack that into Charlie, how confident can I feel that Charlie will pick out all the pertinent points? Okay. So in terms of being able to summarize an existing document that you give it, pretty confident, provided you give it parameters. So if you say, here's the document, I'm from marketing, mm. what do you think of the bits I need? Because a marketing 
you know, uh, salary is going to be different to finance. Mm. So that I think you could rely on. But look, just to be perfectly honest with you, nothing will beat you reading the article and you figuring out what's best for you, just to be clear. But doing the next closest best thing is getting Charlie to give you give you a summary summary of it. It's pretty amazing. And you talked you talked about just then crafting emails and, and other pieces of writing that, that you use as a ghostwriter. So they'll do the basics and then you'll come back and pretty it up with your lifetime of expertise. When you said before that you see people just copying and pasting chat GPT stuff onto LinkedIn articles and trying to pass those as their own, firstly, what's the giveaway to you? What do you see that makes you realize straight away that that's a copy? And secondly, what are the moral and ethics behind mm. that? Geez, what an awesome question. So the first one is, what's the dead giveaway? Overuse of the word crucial. For some <laughs> reason, ChatGPT, it's crucial. Charlie loves da, 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 da. it. Charlie loves that word. Second thing is, it writes, use, I don't know what, um, maybe I should just go and ask it, but I haven't asked Charlie this, but it writes almost like an old-fashioned essay from a, a couple of hundred years ago where you'd always put your first sentence. So let's say I'm writing, I'm writing an article on how women in lead, women who want to step up into leadership roles and how to manage that, right, just as an example. So every first sentence in the every paragraph will say another way that women can step up in leadership, a really great way that women can step up in leadership, like a, a like crucial a way that English women can step up in essay. leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just it's just repetitive. And the last paragraph is always – a summary and it literally says, so in, it'll say, so in conclusion, women stepping up in leadership need to do this thing from paragraph one, this thing from paragraph two, this thing from paragraph three. So it's really, it actually feels more like a year 10 essay, frankly. Yeah, hmm. yeah year 10. So, yeah. you know, there's part of me that feels prepared and okay with reading stuff that's generated by AI in certain contexts, whether I'm getting information from a, a utilities company or even a, a, a sort of a how to book step-by-step -step guide to doing some practical thing. I'm okay if, if that's written by AI, but there's something in the reader in me, the lover of literature that hopes that I never read a book that I think is written by an author, but it's actually been written by chat GPT. Yeah. Uh, is AI going to write beautiful novels for us anytime soon that fool us or, or even transcend our current ability to write literature? Yes, is the oh, short answer, no. right? So the long answer is it's been doing it for years. Now, I'm not suggesting you or any of your listeners might fall into this category and no judgment if they do, but Mills and Boone have been writing formulaic romance novels quite successfully for decades. Yeah. And they were just the precursor to AI, right? They just had basically Template. just a search and replace on a number of factors and boom, they've been churning out that sort of stuff for a long time, if that's what you like. Look, can it write something? Will it um, replace well, George Orwell? Well, I was thinking I went Jane Austen, right? Could it replace something glorious like that? I don't know, but the short answer is I think yes, because it's all about the parameters and mm. how you train it. Mm. And so if you say, write me a novel in the style of Jane Austen and you give it sufficient parameters, it might be, you know, here's the long lost manuscript, right? We may never... You know, you may never know. I've had it write poetry, and I'm not going to say it brought a tear to my eye, but I'm like, okay, that was that's pretty good. I love that that's example in your book about the mum that had to tell their six year old that Santa wasn't real, what? and Chat GPT wrote a beautiful letter in Santa's voice that made it, the mum cry. Right. 
Beautiful. But why? what is it inside me that is really balking at that, that I'm okay with it being churned out in professional circles? I'm okay if we replace lawyers with chat GPT or, or whatever it is, but I don't want my poets and novelists replaced by chat GPT. Am I struggling with the future? I don't know because, I mean, that's a very personal experience for you to have. But I guess where, where my brain goes is, What's the outcome? Do I want to feel moved by something? And does it bother me that I was moved by something that wasn't generated by a human? Mm. And so I think if if I'm reading something and I'm moved by it, the Santa letter is a good example of that. Doesn't matter that it wasn't right. written. Now it may, right? It may. We may find out a hundred years from now that there's been some kind of impact on our human psyche that says that we're just we're missing some of I don't know, emotional or empathy chip now because so much of our written word has come from computers. So I'm not enough of a futurist to be able to predict that, but I would be saying I don't want to put the challenge down to see if you can be fooled. Mm, I don't want to do that because that's- That would be interesting for me maybe to become more at ease with the idea of it. mm, Maybe. Look, Look, I know in case anyone's wondering, did I use Charlie to help me write my book? You betcha. I did. And a lot of people imagine that I just said to it, you know, write me 35,000 words on how ChatGPT can help you with your work and life admin. And I sat back and filed my nails. Mm. And it's not at all that it's, you know, I'd say I've got two ideas for something and I know rule of threes works well. Here are my first two ideas. Can you give me five more ideas that might go with that? So it was really a thought partner around it. So even when I write my articles that I that are generated out of my own content, I still go in there and I don't put the Donna McGeorge stamp on you it. Give it the Donna. Yeah, give it the Donna. But you know, but to put that in context, when we're talking about Chat GPT version four, um, uh, version three point five was released to the public in November of last year. We're talking about less than twelve months of this being public facing, and it's almost writing a book for you. Imagine yes. what it's going to be in three years, or five years, or ten years. Yes. And so th- this is going to be where the cleverness becomes in the crafting of the prompts. Mm. So I still think that ChatGPT is a doer, not a thinker. So if I want to write a book, I've got to still come up with the idea. What do I want to write this book about? I don't just go to Charlie and say, hey, yeah, write me a best selling book, book mm. right? On what? Mm. Right. And, you know, I still have to recognize that it's a valid piece of work. So because I write about productivity, I couldn't just start writing about physics. And so I could say, Charlie, write me a book about physics. And I wouldn't recognize if that was a pile of crap or not because I don't know anything about physics. But I do know whether it generates me a pile of crap around productivity Mm. because that's what I know. So I still think the thought leadership still has to come from the the human, Mm. if you will. For now. But for now. Well, you know, could it do thought leadership? It can only do as much as what it's been trained on, really. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a crazy one, and, and I am hung up on that. It's, for some reason, it's literature that gets me, and uh, I don't know why I can't get past that. But for a while, I've been contemplating the idea of, hey, say you lose a loved one, Donna, oh. and we have the technology now, or at least it's within our reach, to you know take an audio recording from lost loved one, and then from now on, the, our computer models can use the voice, the timbre of the voice, the sound of the voice, and make it say anything. And Mm -hmm. you can have an ongoing relationship with your loved one who's left us physically. 
an AI generated relationship that sounds like their voice and, and maybe has lots of its human characteristics programmed into it. I don't know. I, would that, I don't know. I've never been in a position where I might feel that might be as good as it gets and you'd be happy to cling to that. But if it clashes with that art for me, the real humanness of it. And that's where I, it becomes prickly for me. I love the uses that you've described, but when we start overlapping with what it really means to be a human, there's some Luddite in me that's bubbling to the surface. Jedi, you know, and it could take 10 years of therapy for you to uh, <laughs> figure that one out. But I am recalling, I don't remember the details, I think I might have put it in the book, but about a guy whose father was reasonably famous, produced a lot of content, wrote bunches of books. And so this guy's been having conversations and getting advice from his deceased father because he asked Charlie to act as if. So wow. let's just say, oh, touch wood, I'm not going anywhere. But, you know, because I've, I'm such a prolific writer and there's a lot of my stuff out in the world, my daughter could say, be as if you're Donna McGeorge and can I have a conversation with you, mother to daughter? And wow. she might get the kind of responses that feel like she's talking to her mum. So, you know, I feel like we're a dolly the sheep kind of conversation here. So should we have cloned the sheep is nearly as good a question as should I recreate my deceased parent in some way, shape or form so I can have an ongoing relationship with them. That feels like therapy. You might need a bit of therapy for that one. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, I, I asked you about uses at work and uh, let's talk about uses for home admin and then, um, or, or just managing my life away from work. What are the top uses for that? So one I already kind of alluded to, which is the personal shopper stuff. So whether it's, you know, I, I don't know about you don't know whether you've got kids or not, but I know people with kids always talk about their, the extracurricular activity on a weekend that does their heads in. Mm. So whether it's – and birthday parties is a big one. And so I've got a 10-year-old girl's birthday party, give me 10 gifts that cost less than 30 bucks that aren't Barbie, yeah. as an example, and it'll help you with that. So straight up, that takes away the drama of having to come up with an idea. That's for any age group gift sort of stuff. I'm planning to do my Christmas shopping that way. Meal planning for me is one of the real kickers. So if you've got either finicky or allergies or any other dietaries, sometimes creating interesting meals that, you know, take into consideration everyone's needs, you can put all that in. So you can say, I've got a celiac, I've got a type 2 diabetic, and I've got someone who doesn't like peas, generate me a seven-day meal plan with meals that only take 30 minutes to cook, but with the minimum amount of ingredients that are super easy, go, and it'll generate that for you. Now, the warning on the label with that one is accuracy. I'm not a celiac, so I wouldn't know what good gluten-free looks like. Yeah. So, But if you do, if you're yeah. a celiac, you'll, you'll know what good gluten-free looks like, right? And then the real kicker with that one is then you can say, excellent, now generate me a shopping list in the same order as the supermarket aisles of Woolworths or Coles, whatever your supermarket preference is, and it will do that for you. And then I suppose you can copy and paste that in and say, hey, online shopping, go do my online shopping. Now, that all takes a matter of seconds to do. And then, look, any kind of planning, really, you know, travel planning is pretty cool. I'm traveling at the end of this year to Europe and then I'm coming back and stopping for a little while in Singapore, which is two different weather zones. And so I've asked Charlie to generate for me the minimum packing list I need 
given where I'm going and I only want to take one suitcase, so help me, you know, pack for two weather zones in the minimal possible way. And it generated me an awesome packing list. So just the stuff where you go, you might have in the past gone to Google and then had to trawl a whole bunch of Mm. sites. It just does it really quickly for you. And, of course, we haven't even touched on kids at school, right, depending on what your angle is on this. All right. Well, where, where, where are we heading with that? I mean, there's obviously yeah. a whole bunch of early adopter school students and university students pulling the wall over someone's eyes right now who's a, who's a slow adopter or ignorant of this technology. But where will it mature to? Because we certainly won't be able to stop students from accessing this. You wouldn't want to try and you wouldn't want to stop them from accessing it because it's a wonderful tool. But how do we ensure that we remain a human striving for knowledge as opposed to just completely outsourcing any thought process. Right. So first of all, I think it's going to, this is, again, people have been wanting to revolutionise education for a Mm. really long time. Here's your chance. Here's your chance, right? Mm. So I was with 75 school principals last week and we were talking about this very thing and they were of the belief that you have, it has to be embraced. It cannot be rejected because it's just part of the world. Now, you wouldn't stop kids using Google. You wouldn't. I mean, I remember when Wikipedia was big and they were trying to ban kids from having access to Wikipedia because they could cheat <laughs> using Wikipedia stuff, right? So that was the prevailing view is that it has to be embraced. The second thing was at the very early, in the short term, we've got to stop doing written assessment because written assessment can no longer be relied on as a guarantee that someone knows the stuff because yes. we know that GPT-4 can pass medical and bar exams already, right? But would you want them doing surgery on you? Now, <laughs> before you answer, there's some people that are answering, yes, I'd be happy. You know, yeah. a computer could be more precise. They already do that now where they mm-hmm. have surgery being done by robots, etc. And, and um, robots not in a hurry to get to dinner. Correct. And way more accurate, mm. right? And don't worry about losing sleep and mm. haven't done a 17 or 18 hour shift that, you know, like there's a whole bunch of good reasons why that's useful. But in terms of back to your question about education, the way in which the some of the teachers were talking about using it was we use it as a like a tutor. Yeah. So it's like, hey, I'm studying the Russian Revolution. Ask me 10 questions to test my knowledge ah, yeah, on this. Right. right? Yeah. So you're using it as a helper. And the other thing they were saying is it's also showing kids, apart from the stuff I said before about year 10 essays, hmm. it's showing kids also how to answer questions that they might have been clueless on. But I think the biggest thing, and this has come out of a study out of MIT, that said it's closing the gap, the literacy gap, and this is where I think it's a game changer. So kids who might have traditionally struggled, maybe slow learners or dyslexia or any kind of learning disorder, the studies are showing that when kids are using ChatGPT, it's completely shutting the gap between the haves and the have-nots around learning ability. And I think that's awesome. That is awesome. And I totally agree with that group of principals you spoke to. You can't keep it out. It would be folly to try and ban it. So we must embrace it. And I guess my ill-considered reaction would be, well, we just need to do far less take-home essays that you've got two weeks to do kind of thing and, and much more assessment conditions, examinations, you know, pencil and paper here. Here's a great way to test what you may have researched over the last few weeks, but you can't have any help right now. And now we get a really good indication of what you know, as opposed to how well you Google stuff or Charlie. So without wanting to be too controversial, I actually think there's an even bigger opportunity to step away from the need 
test what I can remember. Yes, because it becomes a memory test. Absolutely. Test I see the flaw in my plan. What yes. I know, right? Yes. And and I and I haven't got the answer yet. If if I did, I'd be too busy and I wouldn't have been able to be here today and no one could afford <laughs> me if I had the answer to this. But I do think there's something about verbal verbalizing. And so yeah, I I, I just think there's a big opportunity now for us to rethink how we go about educating and testing for knowledge. And I'm just becoming aware that this conversation will probably age very badly. And <laughs> me sitting here asking you, oh, how can you use chat GPT at home? Well, kind of like someone a few years ago asking, what what sort of things do you type into Google? How do you mm-hmm. use Google? I know it'll sound crazy in the not too distant future, but tell us a little bit about just how much more comfortable and how much more latitude your imagination has been able to use Charlie for since you started using it six or seven months ago? I use it for anything where I'm stuck, mm. right? And, so, but how's that evolved since you first started playing around with it? I bet it's evolved enormously and your understanding of it is, is much richer for the experience. Look, I think I already have levels of unconscious competence about it, right? Mm. And so in a very short amount of time, I've forgotten how many different awesome things I've done on it because it's just open every day and I just use it every day right down to, you know, not this one, but, you know, I'm about to do a podcast interview. These are the questions that I've asked. This is the book that I've written. Can you pull out the salient points for me so I don't forget anything? Yeah, Right. That's seconds of prep for – so that's actually – that's quite a – that's a very specific reason Mm. why. But it is. It's – I'm going to Paris – you know, what are the top three sites? I've only got three days. You know, just even just that simple stuff. It started as, because I'm a, you know, I do training and facilitation. It started as design me a 90-minute session on meetings, utilising my content and, you know, just banging me out a 90-minute session plan. So that's how I started playing with it in the area that I know about. Mm. And then, as you say, it's expanded into everything from meal planning to holiday planning to even financial advice, not there's a massive disclaimer on that one. Don't do anything that you wouldn't talk to an advisor about. But, you know, here's my target, here's my earnings, here's some outgoings. Design me a savings plan around that or how long will it take me to get a particular target at certain levels of dollar savings, etc. So just any time you are stuck, imagine you got a person next to you and you can say, hey, how would you do blah, 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 blah. And that's the thing. And I guess that's another small thing. You, just using it as that person to bounce ideas off or that thing that you used to use people to bounce ideas off. I guess there's, you know, some doomsayers could say, well, that's just taking away from human inter- interaction. But we, we understand the practicalities of that. We, we don't always have people around it. Sometimes it's nice just to access that. Hey, but tell us about the importance of prompts because the old mantra applies to chat GPT, junk in, junk out. What are some of the most important things we can remember when prompting Charlie? Yeah, so you'll get better results, first of all, if you think of it as a conversation, not as a, I put a prompt in, get a result, and that's right. what I'm stuck with, right? Okay. So first of all, you go back and forth. Charlie is, you, and, and again, I said earlier it was shameless. It also, uh, you can't hurt its feelings. Yeah. So you can put a prompt in, you get a result, and you can say, that was rubbish, try again, and here's some more parameters. But the three things I need to, we need to think about always is, what's the purpose of it? I'm writing an article. What's the context of it uh, for leaders? In fact, I think I used a different P word for that one, but for leaders in, I don't know, in the finance industry and personality, and please write it in an engaging conversational style or a very uptight and business kind of way. 
So I just look, I'm just having, I've literally got my book in my hand as I'm having a look to see if I can find those three P's. It's all about the prompts. Here it is. Perspective. There you go. That's the P I was looking for. Purpose, so at that perspective, perspective is context. And personality. And personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll get the better result. But I only learned that. I didn't learn that at first. So the first thing I would do would be say, I'll write me a 700 word article on leadership for Harvard Business Review, as an example. Then I was like, ah, I need to put a bit of my personality in here. Ah, I need to give it a little bit more perspective around the audience. And so then I just keep tweaking until it started to sound right. All right. Now, Donna, before we go, give us a quick pitch for those who are listening who have never used ChatGPT. They have no idea of its potential. What is your pitch to get us diving into this? My concern is that you might get left behind. And so this thing is not going away. And if you if you haven't already had a go, then you are falling a little bit behind of, as I say, of the curve. We're not quite there yet, but you might be at risk of falling behind. And I think you're just missing out on having some great support and great, you know, a sounding board for just about anything that you might need some help with. That is a wonderful piece of advice. Donna McGeorge, I've enjoyed this conversation just as much as I thought I would. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And that was Donna McGeorge. I'm not sure about you, but I am a believer. Donna has helped convince me that this is the great leap into a world in which AI has the power to directly impact us every day. And Donna's big tips about those all-important prompts because ChatGPT is subject to the old adage, junk in, junk out. It's important to think about your interaction with ChatGPT as a conversation, not a one-question interaction. Donna shared her three P's on crafting quality prompts. Number one is perspective. Provide some perspective. Describe the situation. Tell ChatGPT a little about what you're doing and why. Number two is purpose. Make the purpose clear. Describe the specific goal of the conversation. It might be to ask for information, get a recommendation, provide criticism, etc. And number three is personality. Give your inquiry some personality. Set the tone and style for the conversation. It could include the use of humor, empathy, or other emotional elements. You could, for example, tell ChatGPT to respond in a chatty tone or a formal style. And Donna's final pitch to get us moving on this, well, she says that her concern is that you might get left behind. If you hadn't yet had a go, you're already falling behind, but most of all, you're missing out on a great partner, a sounding board, a powerful information gatherer. It's time to get on board. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Donna on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teams with an S dot guru forward slash podcast. And don't forget to check out my new project, yourstorypod.com.au and get in touch if there's someone you care about who should tell their life story. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.